When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. It's very good morning to you. Welcome in to the program. A big three hours coming up. We've cleared the schedule for your calls as always. one 736 736 for you to have your say. Like you are always so good at and no shortage of uh, things that we can chat about this morning and debate. We'd love to get you on for your thoughts. Uh, one new locally acquired case in Victoria today. It's a primarily close contact of an existing case. Huge test numbers. So well done to uh, Victoria. It seems to be moving in absolutely the right direction. Big show coming your way. We'll speak to uh, Dan Cherney from the AHE. He was at the tribunal case last night and followed it as closely as ever. I want to get his thoughts on where he thinks the game is moving to and how the AFL argued their case and what was instrumental in getting David McKay off last night. Thank goodness for that. Get to that in a moment. Anthony Hudson to preview AFL Nation's coverage of tonight's massive game. I reckon Geelong win. Outright premiership favouritism at 11 o'clock tonight. That's the way that I see it. We'll hear from the Gold Coast Suns chairman Tony Cochran. We've got the quiz over and under. And as I said, your calls. Let's get the show underway like this. Sanity has prevailed. Diehard footy fans who fell in love with the game for its physicality and high-flying highlights have won the battle, but they have by no means won the war. We can't resist it for much longer. Unfortunately, big change is coming. Now, the fact that the David McKay case was even put to the tribunal was alarming enough. The fact that it took three former players over an hour to reach a simple verdict was just as concerning. The AFL's evidence, which argued the incident was avoidable and the McKay's actions were unreasonable, knowing that hitting a contest at speed he did was likely to cause high contact and that injury was almost unavoidable, I should say. That evidence, it really is laughable, questioning a player's ability to run and contest a footy at the speed that he did. 95% of footy fans were celebrating a little bit last night, but there were the vocal few who were waking up this morning, disappointed that he wasn't banned. Here's David McKay, here's David King, I should say, speaking on AFL 360 after the verdict was handed down last night. I wouldn't want to be doing this exact same thing next week, mind you. 
Yeah. I think that players accept that there's a there's a shift. It may not be legislated. It may not be in in print just yet. But if you but don't want this done next week, no, someone has to say something. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. But I think we will get there. It's just a matter of how far down the track. Yeah. Might be three years. Might be five years. But we will get there because the cost is too significant. But so someone we, has to say something about tonight's case. Yeah. If you're worried about someone doing it yeah, next agree. week. Agreed. We're here, right, because we've made a mess of this from day one. Instead of penalising the action, which we've all deemed to be against the code, against the rules, we've penalised the outcome. That's why we're here, because we've been back to front. That has to change immediately and, and, and accept that that's going to change from a playing unit. What well, I'm just not sure of the criticism from David King in terms of the players doing that this week. What, in essence, has Dave McKay done? He's done nothing wrong. He hasn't broken a rule, and thank goodness the AFL tribunal saw it that way. Now, I respect King's passion. In fact, I text him about this during the week, and his point of view comes from a position of care for the players. But his arguments around protecting the head at all costs completely erodes when he refuses to acknowledge that players raising a knee in a spoiling or marking attempt is more dangerous than what McKay did. Absolutely it is. Now his only rebuttal is, no, you can't take the specky out of the game because that's part of the game. Well, so is a 50-50 contest where two players are solely focused on winning the football. But Kingy wasn't the only one who wanted DMAC banned. Let's have a listen to some others. I think when Goody and I played, we would have aspired to approach every contest the way that McKay did. Um, but the fact that Hunter Clark's going to miss eight weeks with a broken jaw, um, I, I'm not sure that that's acceptable in today's footy. We've got to think about what we want the game to be. And in a perfect world, and I think this is unachievable, but in a perfect world, we want young boys and girls to play the game with virtually no risk of suffering a broken jaw. And if we need to legislate you know, quite harshly in the short term to, to aim to get close to that, um, there'd be a small price to pay. Too many people are getting hurt by this game, Jared, and it's not happening in the now, it's happening, it's happening, going to happen in the future. And we've got to stop saying, no, oh, no, he's going for the ball. That was ballistic, ballistic. And the AFL has told us today, we no longer want that ballistic behaviour in the game. At some point in the future, McKay's action will be instantly recognised as unreasonable. It will be a relic of a previous time. For now, it's being viewed too narrowly, literally. It's not about the moment of impact. It's about the approach to the contest. This wasn't an accident, as some people would say. McKay chose to accelerate to full velocity, ensuring a collision with Clark. He was entirely responsible for the nature and force of that contact as he cannoned into the saint. The question is, was it careless? The measure is, was it unreasonable? And the answer to both is ultimately yes. Players make the alternate choice to that all the time without recognition and without comment. I think the answer to those questions was no. And to the three that we just heard there, Chris Scott, the Geelong coach, we heard Mark Robinson and our very own Jared Waitley, why are they okay with a knee to the face like Tim English cop this year, this year um, from a teammate? Why are they okay with Taylor Garner copping one to the back of the neck in round one and being concussed? Why are they okay with Callum Ward getting knocked senseless in a prelim final and would have missed a grand final? They're okay with that one when it comes to the head, but oh no, you can't 
can't touch the specky. This is my concern. Stuff the footy fans, those that pay thousands each year to support their team in the game they love. They'll watch anyway. If we outlaw fair football contests, will footy fans stay rusted on? The tackle is already under fierce scrutiny and threat. And what happens when the high mark goes, which is inevitable? Live crowds are already diminishing in their thousands. If we continue to erode what makes the best game in the world great, then we have a serious problem. It was a tough outcome for AFL head of football, Steve Hocking. It's an almost impossible task for the AFL to manage head injuries in a 360-degree game with 36 elite athletes on the field at any one time playing a collision sport. What is Hocking's next move? one 736 736 How have you seen the events of this week? Would love your thoughts. Joining the conversation right now. What happens when you have four days to watch an incident a hundred times and slow it down frame by frame by frame? This is what happens. There should be a rule for the match review officer for Stephen Hocking for the tribunal that they can only watch cases like this in real time. And in real time, we don't have this debate. Dave McKay, by his own words, who's been a whipping boy from Adelaide fans who have alluded to the fact that he hasn't been hard enough over his career, has clearly got that in the back of his mind. He's changed the way that he has played. He is a tough ball player, and he had no intention to hurt his opposition. Sometimes we look at things too deeply, and that's what happens when you have four days to go frame by frame and analyse something that just wasn't there. Paul's in Dandenong. How'd you see it, Paul? Morning, Kano. How are you? Good, mate. I was watching 360 last night, and the headline the whole way through was the bump is on trial. Now, I ask you this, 100%. So every single version of of, of an option they showed was a bump where the shoulder was tucked in, right? Every single one of them. Now, show me one where a guy is running in with both his hands out to get the ball, and both players were doing it. So, uh, yes... Uh, McKay was going a bit faster, but that's football. I, I cannot see, and I'm glad he got off, but there is no way that, and, and the, you know, the, the headline was the bump is on trial. That was never a bump, ever. So never. I don't know how never. they're going to do that now, whether, you know, at, at half the speed of McKay running in, if it had been somebody else, still may have done that damage because both players had their eyes on the ball, end of story. So um, I'm... I'm blown away that Steve Hocking even had the, the the balls to even raise that to the tribunal in the first place because the umpire called played on. Nobody said anything, but um, and it was just a, you know, he didn't tuck his shoulder in. He did everything that, you know, we've been taught, and you were probably taught when you were a young mate, to how to, how to go for the ball. Like, well, what are they doing to this game? My, my son plays soccer and my other son plays basketball, and they both played football. They're gone. So how much mm. more of this is going to happen moving forward. You want to protect the game, but I think you're going to um, actually do more hurt to it. Moving so, that, so it's a good point. It's a, it's a really good point. It, it was never a bump, and I think the way that the Adelaide Football Club argued their case was spot on. They called three witnesses. They broke it down to, uh, you know, 0.4 of a second in terms of who got there first and who got there second. This was never about a bump. So that's my point in the last little opening bit there. What's the next step 
for the AFL. So Kingy said last night, I wouldn't want to be a player doing that this weekend. Do what? What, what wouldn't you want to see a player do this weekend? Attack the footy. It's where I'm just... I'm, I'm, I love opinions. I absolutely love them, and I'm, I would never ever be critical of a person passionately sharing their opinion and backing it up with why they have that opinion. But I disagree with a lot of them, and a lot of those that we've heard already in the opening. Uh, Jared Kingy, Robbo, Chris Scott. I think Adam Simpson had a similar view. Damian Barrett has had a similar view in his sliding doors comment uh, column on AFL.com this morning. I just disagree. You can't legislate a fair football contest out of the game. Because if you do that, get rid of a player raising their knee to spoil the footy or go for a mark. It has to go. And I've not yet once heard anyone successfully argue why they're okay with a 50-50 contest being gone from the game, but they're happy for a weapon of a knee to the jaw, which can cause a lot more damage. I'm, I'm still yet to hear someone successfully argue why they're okay with that. Uh, Gabriel's in Perth. G'day, mate. How'd you see it? Yeah, mate. Uh, I think this really gets uh, to the fabric of the game, which I think the AFL needs to be really careful in playing for. We've got a situation where we might be teaching juniors in the near footy in the near future to not go for the footy, but to, to wait and corral and hopefully tackle, which to me seems disastrous for the game and I also question whether or not some of these media personalities should be careful in the way that they make some of these statements for for what seems to me to be no real good reason for the benefit of the game because going for the footy is the essence of the game so where do we end up when we remove a fundamental aspect of the game and what sort of game do we have and does anybody want to watch it that's my question and that's so that's the view as well. Like if David McKay got banned for three or four weeks, so it's okay. But people will talk a big game, but the fans will still turn up. The fans will still watch. So that's my question to you: Will you still watch up? Will you still watch? And you know, slowly but surely, we take things away out of the game that we love and that what makes the game great. And is it the supporter that suffers? So I mean, I can only ask you that question: Is is this an issue? Is it big enough, some of these things leaving the game? And if it got to the point where the high mark was gone and where the collision is gone and where a 50-50 ball is gone, where a tackle's gone, would you switch off? I, I can only ask you that question, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 James is on the line. How would you see it, James? I got a cane. Yeah, I just see a footy going in, in one direction with, you know, there, there's players, are, there, well, there's going to be more money involved uh, more pressure on players to, to win, uh, to contest the ball, to perform. That, that's only going to go in one direction. Uh, with, with that in mind, how do you then ask players to not go as hard at the ball at, at that 50-50 contest? Well, this is the confusion for me. So how do you legislate this out of the game? Um, he hasn't broken a rule. Are you going to say players aren't able to run at full speed? And then you've got faster players and slower players. Just the overwhelming word for me is confusion. For players particularly, for coaches on how you coach your players to play, and by extension, footy fans. We are a confused bunch right now. If you're trying to legislate players running at speed to get the ball out of the game. I don't know how you do it. Uh, Dean's in Deer Park. You want to speak about helmets, Dino? 
Yeah, mate, I, I just, with all it, like, the helmet wasn't going to protect his jaw or anything like that, but with the amount of co- concussions we're having this year and this 12-day rule, like mm, Harry Mackay getting hit in the ground, I don't know why they just don't, you know, start bringing in helmets. Like, this year would be a good year. If they brought him in next year, we've got Daniel wearing them and Brayshaw and that, and mm. just compare and see if they actually do protect, because that's the argument at the moment. They reckon people are going to go in harder. Well, they're not going to go in any harder than what, Mackay did, you know? Mackay did. So, yeah, you have to get start introducing helmets. Well, you'd have to get a medical expert on there. There's some views out there, and it's not my area, but some views from the experts that say helmets don't actually do a whole lot and don't protect much at all. I mean, they wear them in the NFL, and to your point, perhaps players go harder because of that, and they've had more issues with CT and concussion than any other sport. So uh, if there's a doctor listening, um, give us a call or send us a text, 0433981116. Are helmets even proven to reduce the severity of concussions? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Malcolm's in Adelaide. G'day, mate. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Look, unfortunately they're not. That should be the AFL's number one priority at the moment. That's where investing of money should be going towards getting a helmet which actually works. You know, AG mm. wore it spoken at length with Michael about it and he wore it really as Caleb Daniels said almost by his mum's uh, blessing really um, and yeah unfortunately they're yet to be proven look a few things about this Kane as we've said about the fabric of the game look I think it was extremely poor governance by the, of the game by Steve Hocking I don't think he expected this overwhelming backlash of common sense you know that you just can't destroy a fabric in a game. And it was just ridiculous. Like, oh, I shouldn't have gone so far. My God. You know? Mm. Well, therefore, let's not have the beat test before you examine players to go in and let's only have slow play. It was, it's been staggeringly ridiculous. And David King, Jared Waitley has said some just unbelievable things about it. And thank God Common Sense came out last night. And congratulations to the commissioners, because I think the pressure they'll put under, I, I thought he was going to get suspended. So, yeah, thank goodness common sense happened. But, yeah, no, it's enough to turn me off, mate. Oh, I, I thought he was in. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was in trouble as well. I thought. I thought absolutely it was going to be three or four. I was. I was surprised that he did get off, particularly after I read, and we'll speak to Daniel Cherney about that. That the uh, three jury members took over an hour to make their case. I thought, oh, that that can't be a good thing. Uh, let's get to Anthony. Um, what's your thoughts, mate? Got can you, you there, Anthony? The coach. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, mate. You're on, bud. Yeah, um, imagine as a coach, uh, you watching David McKay running at a contest and, and making a decision to go, oh, I'm going to be a second late to the contest. I'm going to slow down and corral, then tackle Hunter as was it Hunter Clark to avoid pinning his arms so, so then I don't dangerously tackle him and watching him then release a fellow you know, player that's running past him or something like that. Like, there couldn't be any more anything that ra- outrages a coach more than something like that. Um, rather than contesting to win the ball on the ground in, in, and to avoid a head contact or maybe a one-in-a-thousand collision that, that causes injury. Um, you know, like, what next? Someone's going to someone's gonna kick a football in, into somebody's face in a contest and, and break their jaw and going to be... That, then the kick's going to be outlawed. Like, that's how ridiculous it's getting, yeah, in my opinion. It is. And to hear, you, to, to hear you say that and to, you know, what would go through players' minds, do I need to slow down? Well, I'm not going to get there first. I've got to tackle, but I can't pin an arm. I can't sling him to the ground. I can't 
know, dump him like I used to. So what can I do? Uh, let him release the footy. It's, all the things, as ridiculous as it sounds, going through these players' minds who are playing the toughest sport in the world. You've got to remember this really slippery, wet, greasy conditions in Cairns. Who knows how the ball is going to bounce? I, I couldn't have asked him to do anything more than what he did, David McKay, and we all understand, we don't have to say it, but we understand the severity of the injury and how brutal it is, but unfortunately there is accidents that happen in a game like this. We will get to Matt, Gary, Pat, Steve and David on the other side of this. We're up and running on the Captain's Run. Massive morning coming up. We'd love for you to get involved. 27 minutes past 9 o'clock if you're on SENSA in Adelaide. It's three minutes to nine. This breaking news coming through from Matt Turner in Adelaide's advertiser. Four Port Adelaide players have been pictured indoors without face masks at this week's Olympic swimming trials in Adelaide. A photo was sent to the advertiser showing Zach Butters, Mitch Georgiades, Ollie Lord and Dylan, Dylan Williams sitting in a crowd at the Marion Swimming Centre with no masks on. Uh, Swimming Australia's policy is that masks must be worn indoors unless people are eating or drinking. Remembering a fortnight ago, the AFL fined the Crows $50,000 for eight club representatives. Players and staff not wearing face masks properly on a flight back to Adelaide. Uh, Port Adelaide and the AFL have been contacted for comment. Port Adelaide are currently in the air on their way to Queensland, so they might land and have a bit of an issue on their hands. Let's go back to the phones. Matt is on the line. How did you see um, the events of this week, Matt? How are you going, Kane? Um, I'm glad the hysteria is over and we can talk about the real Mackay, Harry Mackay now. Um, <laughs> two quick points. Firstly, uh, if he had have got the ball, he probably would have been tackled, so maybe he should have looked at a different option anyway, um, not just thinking about the immediate you know, run at the ball. And secondly, with all the AFL rule changes, haven't they been advocating for a, a much faster game? And if that's the case, these things mm. are going to happen. Well, that's a good point. It's all about being ball in play, speed of ball movement, no man, no manning of the mark. So you can't have it both ways. We celebrate the athletic nature of the game and the incredible elite athletes that we have, but then the AFL tries to argue... Uh, that the player has run too fast. Uh, Gary is in Adelaide. Can you make your point in 40 seconds, Gaz? Good morning, Kate. I just want to say we can't have our cake and eat it too. Uh, to say the attack on the footy was unreasonable, then you'd be saying the greatest couple of marks of the modern footy of both Jack and Nick Rewalt running back with the flight at pace into a pack. Is that not unreasonable that they're going to force contact on oncoming yep. players? Well, that's my biggest concern. So don't for one second think I want the high mark out of the game, but you can't legislate for a fair 50-50 ball to be out of the game, but then not mention a knee to the head, which we've seen repeatedly. And to those that want this fair incident banned, what do you have to say about players raising their knees to spoil or mark the footy? I'm yet to hear a reasonable explanation on their views on that. Time now for the 9.30 News Headlines. Yeah, we'll get up uh, Dan Cherney from The Age very, very shortly. In fact, he's ready to go now. He covered the tribunal case last night more extensively than most. You can check out his work in The Age and also at his Twitter account. Dan, thanks so much for your time. Morning, Kane. How are you going? What was your reaction when a not guilty verdict was handed down? Uh, I was I was not surprised. I, I, I thought it was coming. Although, having said that, the longer they, they deliberated the jury for about an hour and I, and my thought was, <clears throat> excuse me, the longer that it went on, uh, I, I suspected he was actually increasingly likely to, to be found guilty because I just thought that not guilty was sort of the easy 
answer and, and I thought um, you know if it had gone on longer it, it, it was more likely that they were trying to find a way to, to prove him to, to find him guilty if that makes sense but I, I thought it was the right call under the rules uh, I, I think ultimately you can we can debate the merits of whether um, that action uh, is good for the game in the long term whether the uh, the rules need to change, but um, I thought that David McKay was not, uh, was, you know, was only acting within the rules. Uh, was doing what players. Uh, it's not, not, it's not really the issue at hand. But the, the fact that players have done it for a long period of time. I mean, if it's, if it's in the rules or not, it, the rules change as we know. But I thought, it, uh, as it stands in this point in time, uh, he was um, he was being held to the rules, and and, and I suppose um, that they were upheld for now. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, what did you make of the AFL's argument that essentially the way that he attacked the, the footy was at too much speed and if any contact was made, it was always going to result in serious injury? I mean, they didn't have much that they could argue. What did you make of that case? Well, Jeff Gleeson always argues things as well as he can and he's um, you know he's always impressive in his delivery is the AFL um, uh, lawyer, I should add. Uh, I mean, I suppose when you actually step back and think, that that argument, uh, I'm not sure it holds that much weight because I just think you know players are going to attack the ball at speed. That's that's footy. That's I mean you, you know you play it at the highest level for for a long period of time and you know that's just how that's how it works. I think the public do as well. Uh, and if um, you know I, I know that players have to take others' welfare into consideration, but if but there is that sort of overriding principle if a players if players are attacking the ball. Um, and it is it is deemed to be uh, you know it is deemed to be reasonable, uh, and I think this is one of those cases, and it really um, it goes back. Ultimately, last night's case found that accidents can still can uh, under the rules uh, it reinforced the point that accidents can happen, and uh, I think it was that argument uh, was, was probably all he could have argued, as you said, but uh, but ultimately the, the jury found that uh, you know it didn't it didn't stand up. So where to now for Steve Hocking and the AFL? As I said this morning, like it's not a, we we sympathise with them. It's not an easy issue. I mean, in fact, it's probably mm. the most difficult issue the AFL has faced in some time. How do we protect the head but not lose everything that makes the game great? Yeah, yeah I mean, look, it, it is an incredibly difficult issue. You're right, and I, I don't have I don't, I don't think there's an easy answer necessarily. Uh, I've got to really. I think they've got to spend the rest of the year, um, well, at least maybe maybe it's forming a, dare I say, a subcommittee or or really delving deep into the question as to what do they want the game to look like next year. Uh, I, I don't think you can change the rules on the run this year, but if if you think that that sort of thing is not in line with 2021 standards and in light of um, all the issues with concussion and CTE, uh, then they've got to think about how you can legislate against that. But... That's uh, you know as you said that would be a pretty dramatic change to the fabric of the game. So I think they they really need to you know spend the next you know four or five months really delving deep so that come October November as teams head into the preseason for twenty twenty two they have a clear idea of what's reasonable. And if the decision comes that it's not that that's, that action is not reasonable going forward, well I think I think. Ultimately, enough people. I, I would cop that because I think it, it would be being done for the right reasons. But uh, but it's obviously going to be a you know a, a pretty careful choice because it's it would be a pretty significant change. You know, it would alter the, the way the game's played. It's, it's hard to argue that. 
Mm. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your coverage of the case last night. It um, was comprehensive. You can check him out, Daniel Cherney, on social media, at Twitter, and also in The Age. Uh, appreciate your coverage, as always. No dramas, Kane. Take care. Back to your calls on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heaps of texts coming through. We'll, we'll get to as many of those as we possibly can for temper a mattress like no other. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen is that number. If you want to send us a text message, we'd prefer that you give us a call, like Pat in Brisbane has done. Good morning, to you, Pat. Hey, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, mate. That's good. Love the show. Um, just two points I wanted to make, Kane. Um, and this is a pretty obvious statement, the first one, too. But, mate, there's a risk in playing footy. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's community level, low, the lowest level in community level or at the top AFL professional level. There's always a risk. And I, I think that I'm pretty confident in saying that all players would understand that. Um, the second point I just wanted to make is I'm with Jimmy Bartell's school of thought, which is, I think, and if there's any logic in the powers to be, I think that, you got to look at situations and go, okay, so was this a footy act? Did this accident or did this physical contact occur from a footy act or from a dirty act or foul play? Which And to me, there's two real distinctions between them. So I guess, yeah, that's just my point. I think it's, I think I'm really happy to see that he, um, McKay got off for the better, betterment of the game. I hope it stays that way too. Go on you, Pat. Thanks for your thoughts, mate. Let's go to Steve in Paran. G'day, Steve. Hey, mate, how are you? Good, thanks. Good. I'm a bit of a 50-50 on it, but taking away the personal opinion, have we had a bit of a think about the legislative and the legal implications of the government that AFL's facing in terms of the insurance? I'm just sort of wondering whether or not there's also, and not so much that they've been involved in this issue at all, but the complexity of the game, the complexity mm. of the ferocity of the game, and then obviously the the mitigation of risk and obviously the duty of care that's required from a legal perspective and an insurance perspective as to what can and can't be explained, accepted. I think there's a lot more to this than just personal opinion, which I agree is necessary, but I reckon there's a lot more at play that we're not really privy to um, and it probably needs a, a bit more clarity if we're really going to stop the, the bickering and the arguing about what should or shouldn't happen on a footy field when there is a huge financial issue and a legal issue at stake as well. No, I think we're we're conscious of that, Steve. Uh, no doubt about it. I, I think, as I said, it's a it's an almost impossible issue for the AFL. What what I think they have done is they've made the game as safe as they possibly can. Like even five years ago, when I retired, I never felt safer going out into a footy field with what you were um, not subjected to. I guess on the field, and now with concussion protocols, with better medical techniques, with better. Uh, diagnosis of concussion with a more accepted view around concussion and there's no longer the view of oh, toughen up, get him back out there, play the next week. I think we've all adapted to that. But I, I just don't know what rule you could write to say that that action was unreasonable. I'm not, I'm not sure. Some, someone find me the wording. Now, we can easily say you know, if you elect to bump and you get your opponent high, you are liable for the consequences of that bump. But how do you legislate what McKay did out of the game. How do you even write it? I'm, I'm not sure. I can't find the words to do that. If you can, uh, let us know. And so Kingy says you wouldn't want a player to do that incident this week. I'd ask what? What incident? What What did he do wrong? Richard is on the line. G'day, Richard. What's your view on the debate? Oh, hi. Um, look, I have a few points I'd like to make. I'll do it as quick as I can. I think 
When you talk about the fabric of the game, we have to remember it simply has never been played at the velocity that it's played now with athletes who are fitter and stronger than they ever have been in the past. And so they're yep. hitting each other and causing greater carnage than has ever happened. And the league has to do something about that ultimately, not necessarily with this case, but around the total environment of the game. Otherwise, people will stop playing at a junior level and you're not going to have the feeding of players that we want to see. And I just want to make a final point about what we as fans love, but what we're entitled to see. Take a look at the best player in the game right now, Dustin Martin. He doesn't use the hip and shoulder. Does anybody care? Absolutely not. And, you know, we love the high mark. Absolutely. We love the kicks. We love the running and breaking the lines. We love tackling and bumping and just not on that level. And if people want to see blood, maybe then we should bring back gladiatorial contests because it's not so, our so bodies on the line. I don't think it, was, it wasn't a bump, though. Uh, what... So what no, no, in your, I accept what, that. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't want people to focus inordinately on this particular issue. I think no. we have to remember that the, the AFL is trying to respond to a total environment that includes the bump yep. and things like this. And so I think this thing gets a bit caught up in the larger, yeah, the larger issue about what's the future, for example, of the bump. And it might be that it doesn't have a future. Yeah, I, well, the bump doesn't have a future. I think we, we know that, but... If, if two players trying to win a 50-50 ball with eyes solely focused on the ball is always going to have a future. Otherwise, the ramifications behind that and eroding that, but by extension, anything else that is dangerous on a footy field, like the high mark, has to go. The AFL has no option but to get rid of the mark. And yes, Dustin Martin, you know, he's not renowned for, for, for bumps, but he's renowned for his attack on the ball. His teammate... Shay Bolton sits on uh, Shay Bolton sits on people's heads with his knee raised. His other teammate Jack Revolt runs back and takes what everyone was celebrating as one of the best marks we've ever seen. He raises his knee to an opponent running front on. What he did had far more risk of causing injury than what David McKay did. Yes, it was a freak one for McKay, but it, so everyone's celebrating and this is the best mark we've ever seen. How about the courage from Revolt? And I agree with that. But the risk of that action to cause injury was far more severe than what David McKay had done. So if you're going to get rid of a 50-50 ball, you have no option but to get rid of what everyone was celebrating as one of the best things we've ever seen in the game. And that was what Jack Revolt did, run front on to his opponent who couldn't protect himself with his knee raised. So there's a bit of hypocrisy going on, I reckon, uh, in the game at the moment with some views. Richard, it was an informed point that you made, and I appreciated it. Roger, Pete, Nick, Michael and Ashley on the other side of this. Minutes to 10 o'clock, taking your calls. We will move on to other issues uh, that have been in front of us today and throughout the week. I want to speak about um, Caroline Wilson's comments that have dominated the headlines this week, uh, St Kilda's response to that, and also the views and the way that... This was addressed by um, some of the media this week in response to those comments. I'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, just the breaking news coming through. About 20 minutes ago, four Port Adelaide players have been embroiled in a possible COVID breach. So there's some swimming trials on in Adelaide at the moment, Olympic trials. Four Port Adelaide players, including one of their highest profile players, Zach Butters, 
uh, pictured in the crowd not wearing masks, which you are required to do. So we know um, the issue that happened with the Adelaide players not wearing them on the plane, which saw a $50,000 fine, which was taken from Adelaide's soft cap. So we'll wait and see what the AFL's response is to this. I can't imagine it's going to be favourable towards Port Adelaide and its players, as innocent as it may have been. Roger is in Hawthorne. G'day to you, Rog. Good morning, Delman. I've got a bit of a scoop for you. I'm sure you're across Good. the issue about a player accelerating or decelerating for a contest. Give it to me, Rog. Yeah? Yeah, I was, now, shocking, I was to... shocking at physics at school, so tell me about it. OK, well, whether a player is increasing his speed or decreasing, running to a contest. Yep. Now, in light of that, Next season, we're going to have umpires right around the boundary with speed guns. And that will be the end of that one. That's the scoop. So the umpires are going to penalise players with their speed guns for running too fast. Bit of comedy for you, Rog. Appreciate it, mate. Let's go to Nick. Uh, your thoughts on the bump, Nick? Yeah, g'day, Kane. Um, my thoughts are, I'm just catching up with all this. Now, if you go based on... You've been living under a rock, have you, Nick? Where have you been the last four days? <laughs> no, no, no. I knew it was coming up. I just missed out on the hearing um, last night. Okay. But how did he actually get off? Now, I'm happy he got off, right? But as far as consistency with rules and past um, charges, like, how does he get off? And then there's other players who have been charged for similar acts. Say the Carlton player, I think it was Plowman. Yep. Yeah, so I, like, I was I was, I was as upset about that one that I have been about um, McKay. I guess to the AFL's favour, they were able to argue that Plowman could have put his arm out to spoil. Instead of doing that, he braced for contact. So that was really the only way they could argue. With the McKay incident last night, the AFL had nothing. They had nothing to argue other than the player ran too fast. Good good luck getting a suspension for, for that argument. Um, so unfortunately for Lockie Plowman, which you know, I thought it was ridiculous he got suspended, they at least were able to argue that he should have spoiled the ball. Uh, let's go to you, uh, Michael. What's your thoughts, buddy? Um, I just think an alternative, Kane, to what they, and it's not, and the rules probably don't support it. Maybe what they could have done with McKay if they had the opportunity was to give him a suspended, um, like, find guilty or, you know, to him for three matches, but suspended. And use it as an education that, well, you know, you know, not to try to do that next time because next time. Do, do what, though, um, Mike? Do what? Do what? Suspend him for finding gu- guilty of what? What would the charge guilty, have been? For what, though? Well, the, well, the accidental, um, and the, it's probably the consequences of the conduct. I mean, for the, the outcome of the conduct. And, that, and this means that, and that's just that instance. It, the, the, the guy who rang up a couple of calls goes, right, they've got to think about how the whole rule's going to work if they're going to change the culture, but in this instance, to try and re-educate the case, they suspended penalty, so think harder next time about, you know, trying to tackle not or whatever. Yeah, I get, I understand your thought, and it's thinking outside the square, but you open up a can of worms there. I just, there was nothing in the rules that they could have suspended David McKay, or even suspended suspended sentence for David McKay, because he did nothing wrong. He did not break a rule. 
tough to um, go to jail when you haven't broken the law, is my view on that one. We'll get to Ashley, Andrew, Nick, Paul, Greg. Plenty of time to take your calls. In fact, we don't have as many interviews as we usually would have this morning for that reason, because I knew there'd be a lot for us to talk about. And, and for those that want to move on, uh, we will do that. And you can talk about anything you like. Give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Captain's Run with Kane Coins. Yeah, a lot of people wanting to have their say, which uh, I really appreciate. And you contributing to the show is what makes it happen, regardless of your view. Ashley's in Echuca. What's your thoughts on the bump, Ash? Yeah, Kano, um, just quickly, you asked earlier how, how do you write the, the rule book if you were going to suspend McKay. Yep. Um, I just think a duty of care uh, is the only way. I, I, don't, I don't agree with this rule that I'm coming up with mm. um, now, but um, yeah, a duty of care, I believe McKay could, could uh, see what was going to happen in that contest uh, more so than that St Kilda player. So whether or not you're you're running 100 miles an hour or you decide to jump on someone's back, the consequence is if, if, if you decide to do it, then you, you could see the outcome. Um, well, not the outcome. You could see the, um, the the contest more so than the opposition player. And you, uh, yeah, you get injured. Well, well, they are opposition player gets injured. Well, then, yeah, uh, you, so, you're going to yeah, get suspended. So, so regardless of your action on the field, be it fair, be it not, be within the rules, if your opponent gets injured, you're liable for those injuries, basically is what you're saying. Yeah, but you, yeah, exactly. But you, you called it a 50-50 contest, but realistically, McKay, I, I do think that he, he could see that contest more so than what that Saints player could see. That same player didn't even see it coming. McKay, he had to put on the uh, the burners because he knew he wasn't going to get there if he didn't. And he decided mm. to do that. So just like the bump, if you elect the bump and you and you get knocked out, well, and the player gets knocked out, well, then you're going to be up for suspension. So oh, I gee, I love... I, I, Ash, you did your best, I love, but I love desperate players. And we saw St Kilda's review with their supporters last night. St Kilda told that their members and their supporters that their effort hasn't been good enough. Yet we want to punish David McKay's effort to get to a 50-50 ball quicker than his opponent. It's just it's just where the players can't. We mate, you, you you did well and thank you I asked. Thank you for trying. We'll get to Andrew, Nick, Paul, Greg and David on the other side of this. The captain's run. Last first hour's done. Many more to come. Duncan Thompson Extensions. From concept to completion. DuncanThompson.com.au Change boards. Yeah, we've cleared the decks for you to have your say. So lines are open and we'll get your thoughts right through until 10.30. This morning we're going to talk some American sport as the NBA playoffs hot up. Seven NBA coaching position up for grabs. Austin McBroom is going to join us from Philly. What about the uh, uh, 76ers choke yesterday? Um, that was incredible and more criticism leveled towards our Aussie superstar Ben Simmons. Hutto is going to chat to us about Friday night footy. Huge one um, at the Cattery tonight. 7,000 fans there. It's quite comical, isn't it, that only 7,000 are allowed in? But anyway, enough of uh, asking those sort of questions. I think we've learnt over the last 18 months. Tony Cochran, the chairman of the Gold Coast Suns. And a big quiz to finish us off this morning. Andrew's been waiting so patiently. It says on my screen, Cornsy is half right and he's half wrong. Morning to you, Andrew. How so? You are very well. Uh, on St. Zach's Day, for all us people who believe in Essendon, um, <laughs> uh, you, you, you're confusing effort and, and recklessness. Um, uh, you're trying with the security. Well, do, you think he was re- do, you, do you think he was reckless, David McKay? Uh, 
I, well, I think the rule... Well, I think... Uh, not. Well, firstly, he didn't want the situation to go any further. So he personally thought it might have been because he basically didn't want the spotlight on him. But uh, my issue is, is the consistency of the rules. I think the AFL wasn't its right to take it to the tribunal and have a test case on it. And I think the rules, all rules of the AFL, need to have be have, need to be either rewritten or have a re-looked at and at the end of the year, not in the middle of the year. And there needs to be consensus of what, of what rules will go forward and what rules need to be uh, dumped and what rules need to be changed or modified. Because I think in the back of the AFL's mind, I think, is, and it's been brought up this morning, the duty of care, the legality, all that outside football. It's not, it's not a football issue, this, I don't think. It's more to do with uh, liability going forward. Um, and the AFL is open to, like, with all the concussion lawsuits and all this other stuff going on, they don't want to be open with someone coming up and taking them to court on, on could this have been prevented? And if so, why wasn't it? And mm, I think yeah, well, going, there's a lot, but there's a lot of, and they're already they're already going to court. So uh, once again, um, I'm not I'm not necessarily critical of the AFL for cracking down on preventable head knocks and making the game as safe as it possibly can. But there comes a point where you put yourself out there as a player and you play a game like this. <laughs> You look too deeply at things and how you can pre- prevent accidents. You just, at some point, accidents are going to happen and you can make it as safe as you want, but unless you want to change it to a touch football sport or to completely um, change the rules of the game, then you're always going to get accidents that happen and players are going to get injured. We've seen it for 100 years. We'll continue to see it unless you want to erode the fabric of the game and what makes it so good. And I don't think what Dave McKay, certainly reckless isn't a word that uh, I would use to describe him attacking a 50-50 ball. Nick's in Geelong. Um, how do we reword the rule, Nick? What would be going through the AFL's mind? Yeah, look, mate, I, I reckon, like, I was just throwing around some words, and I reckon it would be uh, the attacking player with the highest velocity that enters the um, contest, whether it's a 50-50 contest or not, is responsible for the outcome towards the opposing player. So, for the example, if they were to change the velocity rule, potentially what might happen is that players that are running in might actually stop more often and then let that opponent collect the ball and then try to tackle them. Um, I'm not saying I agree with it or not, but I can see I think the AFL are going to have some rule around velocity and I think it's going to be interesting how you um, mark that. So that'll be really interesting. But I think it'll still come down to the player that has the highest velocity, will have the duty of care, regardless if the opposing player is braced, is protected, or if they've elected to bump in a correct manner. If they're still injured, I think the duty of care will still sit with that player. Right, that's Nick's thoughts on how the AFL will be feeling this morning if they are going to rewrite the rule at the end of the year. How would they word it? Because I sort of asked the question, well, how do you how do you outlaw um, an action like what David McKay did? I'm not sure that you can, but a few people having a crack, including Nick. Appreciate it, Nick. Good on you, mate. Uh, Paul's in Wodonga. G'day, Paul. Oh, Kano, how are you, mate? Good, buddy. Mate, it is a historic day. For once, there's some common sense has prevailed in the tribunal. So, 
I'll tell you what, I've got a question for you, okay? All those mm-hmm. years ago, why did you decide to play football? What did you like about it? Oh, God. I, the, I, I, the physical yeah, challenge, I, the contact. Yeah, all of that. I mean, you just you just fall in love with it when you're five years of age because your, your dad and your brother played. But the thing, the thing I personally loved about it was that that one-on-one battle with a direct opponent and walking off the ground knowing whether you'd won or lost. Now, I wasn't necessarily a, a physical player. It certainly didn't take any high marks, and a lot of the things that people love about the game wasn't wasn't my strength. But there was aspects of the game that I loved and that I love watching, and I'm concerned that we may lose some of those. Exactly right. And one of those was the, the physical contact of the game. So mm. it's, um, you know... A lot of these comments are basically discouraging players to attack the footy. I find it quite laughable that that they um, that they were questioning basically that McKay attacked the footy too hard and fast. Now that'd have to be one of the most laughable comments that I've heard. It's up there. I think it's up there. I think to question a player or to criticise a player for giving his maximal effort, which is essentially what you're doing when you're saying his action was too ballistic or he ran too fast or he should have slowed down, that's what you're doing. You're questioning a player's effort. And some background on David McKay, who some some may not understand. He has never put a foot wrong, really. He's been the model citizen and ambassador for his club yet he's been a whipping boy from his own fans. Now, there's there's always one whipping boy, and it's, it's almost, you know, open up the lines on this one. Who's who's the one player that cops unfair criticism at your club? 043-9811-16. That's David McKay for the Crows. Over 15 years, 239 games. He's the one, if they lose, look on social media, where's the criticism directed at? It's always directed at David McKay. Or if a young player's dropped out of the side, it's, oh, why are we still playing David McKay? He has no doubt heard that criticism, has it in the back of his mind, so unfair. He, he So then he's got that there. He attacks the ball as hard as anyone in the game has done this year, and then he's penalised for that. So you just got to have some sympathy for the extenuating circumstances that happen in a player's lives that lead him to change his game. Like he's now a courageous player, David McKay, and I'm not sure Crows fans would have said that about a skinny kid who weighed 69 kilos in the first four years of his career. I give him absolute credit for that, and the last thing I would want to see is him penalised for, for doing that. Greg is in Wagga. G'day, Greg. Hey, there you go, mate. Good. Hello. You're um, on, mate. Yeah, yeah, Kane. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, what if if that um, had been a teammate who got their jaw broken? What they're talking about, duty care and all that sort of thing, and blah blah. So what if, what if he cleans his own player up and breaks his jaw? Is there a penalty there if he's not given duty a key? I don't know to answer your question. I don't know. I would I would say not. Uh, I don't know. Has there ever been a case in AFL history where a player has been suspended for injuring his own player? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't, I can't remember one. So I would say not. But, I mean, it's a valid point you raise. Um, and, you know, we saw an instance with... Was it Stephen Martin on Tim English? Or it was a Western Bulldogs player who did collect him high with that knee to the jaw. Um, so there's an incident where injuries happen from an home teammate, but I'm not sure you can be punished for that. Not sure, Greg, but it's a valid point that you raise. Ray's on the line. Hi, Ray. Can you, get, can you hear me, Kane? Loud and clear, buddy. Mate, this is insanity. I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Two blokes run at the football, and one he, he uh, the other guy hits him, and for some reason the guy that comes off the, first, the best is the one that's careless. Who's careless in this, this particular act? This is just football. 
It's the biggest beat-up I've ever heard in my life. It's up there. Uh, it, it is up there, Ray. And this is what happens when you have 100 slow-mo replays and we have four days to analyse it. I heard Ross Lyon say on Footy Classified, why did he turn his body? That, that was the, the point Ross said. Gee, you're going to be critical I, of a player I, for... I, I, go on. Have these guys played football or what? I mean, the, the, look... What's coming in the AFL and is really bad is that they're judging they're judging the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, act on the outcome and that's got to stop. Good on you, Ray. Appreciate your thoughts. Let's go to Lockie. G'day, Lachlan. Who's Geelong's whipping boy? You just dropped out. We are asking um, the questions of who is unfairly criticised by their own football fans. Who's the one that cops it? You go on social media these days. Team has a bad loss. Who are the comments repeatedly directed to? I'm telling you, David McKay has been that player for the Crows for a long, long time. Who is yours at your club? Taking your suggestions on that one. Uh, we got David there, Johnny. G'day, Dave. Uh, hey, hey, Kane. Um, I just wanted to talk about the bump again um, and just probably the bedside matter, number one, from the AFL. Uh, on Fox footy last night on 360, they, uh, they showed a... a uh, a still photo of the the two players and the ball in the middle and showing that McKay was too far out to be able to attack the ball in the way that he did. But the, the mm. one thing that they're not taking into account is the ball falling on a diagonal towards the square. So it's actually becoming... It's actually moving away from both players. Um, so it, it becomes more of a 50-50 contest by every bounce. Like, I, I just found that to be really poor and a bit snaky just to they're trying to get their point across to try and to try and change it change the way and the perception of players going into the contest so i just i was just so surprised that they use that um so this yeah so this was my point earlier if you just uh, just quickly if you just tuning in there almost should be a rule that the tribunal has to and the match review also has to watch it in real time with it without slowing it down and and that's what what you get and look the vision was was i thought was captivating from afl 360 i think it was and uh, i thought very creative in the way that they do it and the way that they sold their story which is which is about media and generating debate and discussion so no criticism towards them but this is what happens when you have four days to watch it in slow motion what was your final point mate totally uh, and the final one was, um, did, had no one spoken about this at all, but McKay leaves the ground. He, he actually leaves the ground. So just the one step before he goes to the ball, he leaves the ground. We all know what that means in terms of ju- uh, jurisdiction if you leave the ground before a contest. Um, one of, you know, the famous ones, Byron Pickett back in the day, I know they're typical bumps, but you can't leave the ground in a contest. Did he leave the ground before the contact or after? You can, if you actually slow it down, it's right on the contact. He's leaving so the ground. The, so, once again, that's the, that's the problem. We slow it down to within an inch of its life. I thought he had one foot on the ground. Some will say he's in the air. Dave McKay argues that it was the contact itself that lifted him off, off the air. That's the problem. We look at things. We look for things that aren't there. But appreciate your point there. David Smurfs in Perth. G'day, Smurf. G'day, mate. How are you? Which Smurf are you? <laughs> Papa Smurf, I think, at this Papa age. Papa Smurf. I thought so. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I just think, I reckon, um, you know, there was nothing wrong in, in, the, in the rules, and they're trying to take out, you know, the velocity of the bump, but I just feel like it's a byproduct 
of rules that have been changed over the last 10 years or so to make the game quicker, faster, more impact. And then all of a sudden, I, I mean, I'd love a biomechanic or something to tell me, you know, if they actually hit each other a couple of kilometres an hour slower, would that impact have, have caused three breaks in his jaw? I'd, I'd, I'd have to think probably not. But yet the coaches, the players, they don't want to reduce the interchange. The fans, from my end, oh, I love it when it slows down a bit and the game yep. opens up a bit. It becomes better. But the faster it goes, the AFL and the players and the coaches, they want it quick. They want to be able to get off, recover within a minute, get back on, run flat out all game. And, and then they're going to complain when there's nothing actually was wrong in the incident, but it was, it was the velocity of the hit that caused the break of the jaw. Well, slow the game down a little bit and it wouldn't have even happened. Good on you, Papa Smurf. Appreciate your passion. Michael's on the line. Michael, who's the whipping boy at your club? How you going, Kate? Um, I don't know if it's been said, so um, I think, obviously, from Collingwood, Josh Thomas, and I'll throw in Will Hoskin Elliott as well. I think they both cop it a lot when we when we seem to lose. Um, and just a question for you, who's going to coach Collingwood next year, mate? Oh, whatever answer I give you will be wrong, because it probably be someone from left field who's who would i i like and this is a lot of people disagree on the, with this that's fine i i like the williams mitchell combination with with a, a bit of a succession sort of thing happening there i i would love to see that i think that could work exceptionally well mark williams for a couple of years with uh sam mitchell underneath um but as i said i doubt that would happen good on you michael let's go to uh lindsay g'day lindsay We'll get to Lindsay in a second. He's just dropped off there. We'll go to Matt, who also wants to speak about the topic of the morning. Hi, Matt. Hello, Kano. How you going, mate? Good, thank you. Listen, I reckon the simple solution to all this confusion, it already lies within the rules of the game. I reckon it should be made just a little bit more clear for everybody. If at any stage you take your eyes off the pill, then your responsibility lies on you at the contest. It's really simple. So, so did he take his eyes off the ball in your in your um, version of no. events? No, no, not at all. Yeah, eyes on the ball <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, well, that's that's as good as I've heard anyone um, describe the way that the AFL could go. If you take your eyes off the ball at any moment, you are liable for the result of that action. Uh, let's go to Dave, who's in hotel quarantine. Where do we find you this morning, Dave? Yeah, you find me in the Ibis Hotel, day number 12, so I'll be out on Sunday night. Where are you returning from? You know, I'm Dave from Israel. I'm a regular caller on the shows after you because in Israel, your show's just a wee bit early for me, but I'm enjoying right. the program. And and the, I guess a lot of us are craving to go overseas, perhaps not to Israel, but what's the process like of coming to and fro? Is it Has it got the better of you yet? Uh, you know, the, the, the quarantine has, but thank God it's a footy season. So I've got you guys all day and all the footy shows in the evening. So it helps pass the time. Good on you, mate. Who's the tonight's game? Yep, they're flying. Fan. They're flying the yeah, cats. Who's the whipping boy, though? Oh, there's a pair of them. You just see them all over the place. Um, I'm afraid it's young Guthrie, Zach Guthrie, and yep. uh, Luke Dalhouse. A lot of supporters are wondering why he gets a game every week with only a handful of possessions, but I think it's more for his defensive role. Mm. 
Good on you, Dave. In hotel quarantine for us, day 12. Hang in there. You're nearly there, mate. Appreciate your contribution to the show. Uh, we'll move on from the McKay incident shortly and have our say. Ben's going to have a chat. Sergio, Baz, Twinkles and Alan. Short breather and then we'll change gears on the other side of this. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Taking your calls through until 12 o'clock this afternoon. It's 25 minutes past 10 currently and Ben's on the line. He was speaking about Lockie Plowman, Benny. Is he your whipping boy? Um, no, not really a whipping boy, Kano, but I'm just, I think he would be feeling right now, geez, I didn't do a lot wrong. I, I was competing for the ball. At the last split second, I turned my body just like David McKay did, and unfortunately, he hit him in the head. He got two weeks for it. Now, I don't think both cases, they should have been going up to the tribunal. But the problem with the AFL is, is that a guy like King from Gold Coast can come up from behind and whack someone with his elbow in the back of their head and they only deem that a $1,000 penalty. And it happens every week. Now, well, what, well, what, you're, you're right. What Taylor Walker did was worse, I thought, on Wilkie, the, the four out. The forearm to the back of the head, and you know, he got three thousand because he'd been fined before. But that had more intent, I thought. Well, it's it's even Mumford. Um, he's had a couple of cases where he's dropped his knees into Zach Merritt, and what happened in, uh, against North Melbourne. But it seems that the players that are competing for the ball, you get suspended. But if you whack someone in the back of the head or drop your knees into them, you just get a fine. Well, it's the result. It's the result of the action. So if what had Taylor Walker had done or Mumford caused serious injury, then you know, they'd be in all sorts of trouble. So that's that's the other criticism the AFL faces. It's the outcome, not the action. Good on you, Benny. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, Joe is in Glen Iris. Hi, Joe. Uh, g'day, Kane. Uh, don't know if you recall, some years back, there was a Melbourne footballer, Brett Maloney. Yep. Um, one of his earliest games it was out, actually a game out at Geelong. He came uh, rushing into a pack, as, as was his wont, and he did have his fence clinched, uh, um, clinched, but he didn't connect with anybody. He was actually reported for an attempted hit, and he got two weeks. Yep. So I'm just wondering, you know, how we've progressed whether we've regressed over the years with our penalties, with our you know decisions uh, at the tribunal, it's uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not quite. I'm not exactly familiar with the, the incident, um, and I, I do. I do recall that you know attempted striking was used to be a thing. I you know don't think it's a thing anymore, and the, the tribunal system has evolved many times over the past decade, decade or so. Um, is it in a point now where it's as good as it's been or is it more confusing than it's ever been? It's supposed to be with Michael Christian there to alleviate the confusion of the charts and the penalties and the sanctions and early pleas and all of that. One man doing it instead of a group. Not sure. Not sure it's um, improved the system. Have your say on that. Uh, Sergio's in Queensland. G'day, Serge. Can how are you? Good. Just, just quickly, um, the uh, I think the uh, previous caller, uh, the one part of the one you just had, then Ben, he stole most of my points. Even though I'm a Collingwood supporter, I agree with his um, uh, view on the plan and issue. Plus, uh, yeah, King, uh, and you, you sort of mentioned uh, King, and, and he mentioned Mumford as well. Um, I'm just wondering, okay, uh, the the duty of care, I get that, but isn't there uh, also 
on the other side of the coin, the flip side of that is once you walk on that field, there's certain risks that you should be accepting as a player. Uh, where do you sit on that? Well, I, th- I thought so, uh, and I can't. I can't even remember signing anything or what waivers the players sign, what what level of risk they do accept. I mean, it's not any different to other sports around the world, is it? I mean, I'm still seeing ice hockey players in the NHL chucking their gloves off and going toe-to-toe in a full-on fist fight on, on the ice. Like, how is that sport? I'd love to know how that sport um, defends that, where you can almost celebrate two players punching on and... I mean, the umpires let them do it. So I'm not sure how they do it. So, I mean, every sport has issues like that. You know, boxing's been that for, for years. The NFL, of course, have had their issues. So I'm not sure what level of risk players put their hand up and would probably have to get a legal expert on to um, describe that for us. And uh, what what um, what level of culpability the AFL have in all of this, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll quickly sneak in. Mark, you want to speak about Robert Harvey, mate? Is he, is he a chance for the Collingwood job, do you think? Uh, considering him whatsoever. He's um, won the Brownlow twice. He's been at Collingwood for 10 years. It's sort of similar to when Teague was caretaker. Um, no one considered him. Judd said, um, no, we're not considering him. And then he ended up being the coach. No one's, uh, no one's saying anything about him. What are your thoughts on him being the coach? Well, I think what's hurt him is those examples you mentioned. Um, Teague... Um, you know, got the job. Did they go through the proper process? Reese Shaw at North Melbourne, similar. And Matthew Primus at Port Adelaide was when I was there, uh, similar. So that has the, the lack of success of those caretakers that have got the job is probably going to hurt Robert Harvey. Would be the view uh, that I have on it, and taking the job regardless of the results, and it's going to hurt with no more and no to go this uh, week or for the next game, uh, unless he does something extraordinary. I can't see them giving it to the caretaker coach. Uh, We're going to go to Philadelphia on the other side of this. We're going to talk about the American sports action, in particular the NBA and the Sixers, one of the all-time greatest chokes you've ever seen. But right now, time for the news headlines. For manual from only 55.790 drive away for ABN buyers and get a genuine Nissan tow bar so you can make the most of the 3.5-ton brake towing capacity. Head to your Nissan dealer to test drive the new Nissan Navara today. T's and C's apply. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Kicks Curry. That one's good. Point one on the clock. And this is going to be an Atlanta victory in game five. What a comeback. And what a collapse by the Sixers. Well, we would call it a choke. What a result yesterday from the 76ers, including Australia's very own Ben Simmons, to discuss the fallout from that dramatic playoff game. Our man, the Sixers beat writer, NBA reporter at the Painted Lines. He's a columnist at Last Out Media. And you can also get him at NBN-Radio. Austin Krill is his name. Austin, thanks for your time again. No problem. Thank you for having me. Where does it sit in disappointing games in 76's history? Um, well, 
Well, fortunately, I have not been alive long enough to see the worst of them, so <laughs> I can't speak. I, I, I can't speak uh, to, to to the you know the the, the tear uh, tear stained faces of Philadelphia fans of sixty years, but I can say that in my lifetime, watching the Sixers and 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 uh, you know paying attention to, to the sports in the city, this has to go down as probably one of the worst losses I've ever seen. What's the fallout been? Um, the fallout is going to depend really upon, um, you know, the outcome of the series. I mean, obviously the Sixers, even if they win, they put themselves in a spot where, um, you know, they can't trust Ben Simmons at the free throw line. They yeah. also can't trust him to be uh, effective on the offensive end of the basketball court. And so as a result, you know, he, he's a guy that is, very talented in, in every other way, literally every other way on the court, but scoring. But scoring is, you know, for him it's a very mental thing, and it really takes away from the rest of his game. So, you know, the fallout will be if they do lose this series, um, you know, he, he probably is going to be the, the, the first name on the chopping block in terms of outgoing moves. Um, and if, uh, you know, even if they win this series, um, I would. My guess would be that it would probably take a run to the finals for them to not uh, be convinced that, that trading trading Ben Simmons is what's what's to come next. Yeah. So he only attempted four field goals. He made two of those, but the biggest talking point was four from fourteen um, from the foul line. And I guess the Hawks' tactic of oh, we saw it with Shaq. Hacker Shaq made famous there by you foul him, sent him to the free throw line, knowing that. You know, at best, he's probably going to make one out of two, or for Ben's case, worse yesterday. Um, I guess it leaves them open to that tactic, and then what can you do about it? He's just going to have to get better from the foul on. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, the issue is that, and Doc Rivers even said that today, the head coach, like, at this point, I mean, you're not going to break the issue, the blockade in his head. I mean, it is what it is this season. It's either it's either going to be something that they're going to be able to overcome and, and, and get to the next round or get to the finals or win a title, or it's going to be ultimately you know one of the one of the reasons that they are going to fall short, well short, of their expectations. So for now, you know you you only thing you can do is either take them off the court entirely, and then you know you, you're losing something on the defensive side of the ball, or you know you you have to live with that. The issue is now that. Um, it's, it's really breaking up all kinds of offensive rhythm every time they, they have to stop and watch him take foul shots and then they go back and defend and then you watch him take foul shots and go back and defend. No one can get a rhythm that way. Um, and, you know, it, it changes the momentum of the game. It allows the team that's fouling to take an extra rest, rest in between plays. And it, you know, it's really a very hamstringing way of, of, mm. of having to play. But then again, you know, whether, you know, I feel bad for Ben Simmons. I, I, I can't imagine from a human standpoint, it's fun to be a laughing stock the way that he currently is at the moment. It's not fun to be this kind, to have this kind of attention at the moment, I'm sure. Um, and so, you know, it's unfortunate for him, but the bottom line is that his job is to, uh, you know, get better at this and find a way around this. And if he's not going to be a better foul shooter, he's going to have to be, um, a threat as a scorer. And what we're seeing now is the free throw thing is so far in his mind that he doesn't even want to touch the ball. It, it, mm. it, it, and so basically he's passing it and then he's moving away from the play. And it's essentially
coming four on five on offense. And this is not this is not a recent thing either. There is, you know, multiple seasons of his career of evidence that this has affected him in the playoffs and, and worse, it's affected the team and it's it, it, it made you know it's made them come up short of what their regular season uh, projections would would, would would have indicated. And so, you know, after a certain point, you have to make a business decision and you have to say. Uh, you know, we've given this kid a, a lot of room. We've given him a lot of defense. We've given him tools, and this is what he is at this point. And maybe it's just, and it's just not going to happen here if that's the case. What happens, Austin, when I mean that the fan base turns on a player, a star player like that? Is there examples of that happening, and is it too far gone for him to win them back over? And is there a situation where genuinely the fans can you know, ride a player out of town? Um, I mean, I, I think, in, you know, I, I think that Philadelphia in some respects, and I'm, I know some of them are listening to this, so I'm going to say in some respects, um, there have been times when, when they've, you know, been a little bit over over the top in their criticisms of Ben Simmons, but I think it is well warranted at this point. I mean, uh, he's left 45 points up on the board in this postseason mm. by missing free throws. That's a lot of mm. points, um, and it, that, that's a series-changing differential right there. So, you know, the, the fans expect better. He should expect better from himself. The team should expect better from him. And right now he's just simply not doing his job. And when that's the case, uh, I, you know, and, and when you have an, a, an epic meltdown like they had last night, it scars the fan base uh, tremendously. Um, and it, it really makes a, puts a divot in a relationship that I'm not sure can be repaired unless Ben Simmons himself is the force and the will that drives them to win this series. Mm. Strong comments there. What about the drama just uh, across the competition? I mean, Chris Paul's on fire, the hottest player in the game. The good news story, he's he's got COVID. Kawhi Leonard out with a suspected ACL, so he probably won't play again. James Harden going about 40% with a hamstring strain. Kyrie Irving's out with a nasty ankle. Kevin Durant's doing Kevin Durant things. There's seven coaches that are uh, out of a job or seven clubs looking for a coach. It's been amazing. Have you seen anything like it? No, uh, it, it's really been sort of a, an avalanche of, of, of fireworks, really, um, in the last couple of days. I think, you know, usually what you see is that teams start to settle in with their offseason and they start to evaluate the landscape around the league. They watch out to see uh, who, who, you know, which coaches, which front office people, which players become available, and then they start to make their own decisions because you can't, you can't hire your next head coach without firing your current head, head coach first. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're weighing that landscape um, in, ter- in terms of making those changes. Um, and, you know, it, it's happening very, very fast. And I think what we're seeing here is in the age where player empowerment in the NBA is at an all-time high, if players are dissatisfied with the way our front office is, 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 is working, if they're disagreeing with head coaches, if they're disagreeing with really anybody and they feel like they're not being listened to or their, their needs aren't being met to, 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 to help drive the team, those pieces that are not actively winning them basketball games, like your head coach, like your front office, they're going to see the door. Um, mm. And so that's what we're seeing there. And in terms of the injury stuff, I, I think what it comes down to is um, you know, LeBron James and, and, and the, you know, other players can say that, that they've been put in a bad spot by injuries. The bottom line is that this is the, this is the, the political agreement. This is the, this is the collective bargaining agreement that they have agreed to. Um, in uh, you know for, for this season, and so um, you know when that's the case, 
and, and you know, this is what you signed up for. This is what you you as an adult put your your name to and signed off on. And uh, so, you know, if this, if these are the repercussions. This is exactly what we signed up for. Mm. How does this series between Philly and the Hawks play out from here? Can they force it to seven and win, or do you see elimination on the cards? Um, I mean, I certainly could see an elimination in the cards. I think it's going to they have to come out tomorrow with a, 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 an all you know hands on deck effort. Uh, they certainly you know they, they can't take their foot off the pedal like they did in Game Five, um, and you know. And you know, I, you know, I think if they can, I think if they win game five, game six in Atlanta, they force a game seven. I think I take them to win the series. Um, but Atlanta is playing with house money. They're very confident. Mm. They have two mm. games in a row where they where they've come back and they've really put a mental burden on the Sixers. And when they and that psychological advantage is a very powerful thing. Appreciate, mate. It's um, an emotional time to be a Philly fan. Um, as always, thanks for your time this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me. They led by 26 points, and that evaporated just before. Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Six minutes to 11 o'clock. You can have your say now. Coming up, a big edition of Chad's Brothers Quiz and also Anthony Hudson out of 11 o'clock to preview the big one tonight. AFL Nation from 6 o'clock with the best team in the business, uh, some news around this morning. Port Adelaide bracing itself for a please explain from the AFL after a photo emerged of four of its players, including regulars Zach Butters and Mitch Georgiades, pictured in the crowd of the Australian swimming trials without a mask on. And the picture is there, so everyone around them is wearing a mask. There's one gentleman who's got a mask hanging around his neck, but apart from that, they're the only four in a picture of probably, I don't know, 20 people without a mask on and the COVID rules of the event stated that spectators must wear a mask while seated unless they were eating or drinking. Now in the photo they're not eating or drinking Um, and we know what happened to the Adelaide Football Club for a similar issue um, when they didn't wear their masks on a plane. Lucas is on the line. Uh, Welcome to the show Lucas. Hello Uh, Kane Corns I'm speaking to. That's it. Um, Three questions Firstly, I'm a St Kilda supporter, like many other St Kilda supporters. Um, I first off, uh, Dave Mc- the Dave McKay incident, which I'm really furious about. Like, um, imagine someone he or she did to someone out in public; they'll get locked away. Simple as that. But Sorry. why in this in- incident, Dave McKay went went for Hunter Clark, not even for the ball. You, th- you think he went for him? Yeah. And on the video. It's on the video. Yeah, I disagree. I think he went for the ball. No. Hark. Oh, seriously? They, he, went for the play, he went for the player, had the elbow to Hunter Clark's jaw and broke it. I might leave it there, Luke, because what you're saying is false. He didn't didn't raise his elbow, and there was you know there was no intent for David McKay to go after. To use your words, Hunter Clark. The result of it was unfortunate. We've said that a million times in our thoughts are with Hunter, as you know David McKay explained after the verdict. He couldn't have handled himself any better. Um, but there was no elbow raise. There was no going after a player. Uh, if anything, he was going after the footy. Zach Merritt has signed on for six 
years, 2027, where he'll be 31 years of age. Everyone says, how good? How, how good for the Bombers? I do like Zach Merritt as a player. I think he's a top oh, 30, I think he's a top 40 player in the game. Top 30, 40 might be a bit harsh. Is he worth six years? No, he's, he's, he's not worth a six-year contract, and once again, clubs will tie themselves in knots if they continue to give players contracts such as this. But he was happy. He had the opportunity to hold them to ransom, really. They couldn't afford to lose Zach Merritt with the players that they have lost. They had the money to be able to pay him at the moment, um, and he got a six-year deal. So well done to him, to his management, to the way that he handled it. But I wouldn't have given him six years, Bombers fans. Four would have been enough, I reckon. And if you're not happy with four, then we'll explore getting two, three first-round draft picks for his services in the draft. I just think clubs need to start playing a bit harder with players that try and hold them to ransom. Same as my thoughts on Patrick Cripps and others, Christian Petrarca at Melbourne. Um, I share a similar view. Have your say on that as well. I'm sure a lot of you disagree, which is fine. Michael's on the Gold Coast. Uh, the St Kilda... Um, heavy hitters had a meeting with their fans last night, Michael. They said they need to improve their effort. How do you see the club at the moment? Yeah, hi, Kane. Yeah, look, I tuned in just for the tail end of it, mate, and I, I noticed that uh, one of the questions asked was about recruiting a few older players with injury issues, which Leffelan mm-hmm. jumped in and answered straight away. Um, How do you answer it? Re- he flogged it off and uh, made it out to be um, about uh, McKernan and Frawley, which we all know who the, who the people were referring to and what mm. we all want answered, and it's, it's Dan Hannabury. Mm. I mean, they need to have an honest conversation at the end of the season, surely. Um, he's, he's come to the club on big money. He, uh, you know, he's played a total of 13 gra- uh, games across uh, nearly three seasons. It hasn't worked. Um, and I, I think sort of towards the end of the year, they need to have an honest uh, discussion, both him and the club, about maybe foregoing the rest of his contract and, you know, doing the right thing by the club because he's certainly on the better end of the deal, isn't he? Well, it's it's topical that you raise it. And uh, off the back of my comments around Zach Merritt, uh, there's no reason for Dan Hanbury to do anything other than to collect a paycheck for the next two years. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's working hard to get himself right. I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating for him and the club and by extension the supporters. But that's the issue you get when you give massive contracts out of of, of a big length. And it, it all sounds great to give it to Zach Merritt now, and he you know his form's been exceptionally. Um, strong over the last two years, but what happens in four years' time? Uh, who could foresee the issues that Dan Hanbury has had when he was a premiership player and All-Australian and he was flying um, six years ago, absolutely flying. You, you wouldn't have foreseen these issues. That's what can happen. Anyway, we'll discuss that further after this. Yeah, big last hour coming up. We'll get to Hutto shortly. He's going to be there for AFL Nation's coverage of the huge Friday night game tonight. Before we do that, though, we've got Bo, who's on the Sunshine Coast. G'day, Bo. Hey, Taunty. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Good. Yeah, I was just um, I was having a beers with some mates the other day uh, regarding the Cats' top five players since 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a heated argument. I thought, why not ask Cornsy, who's played against <laughs> most of these players, and tag most of them? Who would you have in your top five since 2000? 
since 2000, and it's not easy, and we'll get Hardo's views on that because he's watched them probably closer than I have. Uh, so you've got Ablett 1, you've got Scarlet 2, I've probably got Selwood 3, Enright 4, Hawkins and Bartell 5 and 6. Who did I miss? Stevie J. What about Stevie? Yeah, he's like, look, he's he's in the he's in the mix, and in terms of a player that I that I was petrified of playing on because he just make you look stupid. Stevie J was. When you look at the record of the players, I mean, out of Hawkins, Bartell, Selwood, Enright, who does he knock out? Uh, good question. I think you've got me there. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a it's a dynasty for a reason. They had nine All Australians in two thousand and seven for a reason because some superstars have walked through that door. Uh, appreciate the debate, Cats fans. Top five since two thousand. Let us know. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. This man will have a, a pretty good indication on deck tonight from six o'clock with Jared Waitley, Jared Healy, Jordan Lewis, the best in the business. Um, hello to you, Hutto. Hello, Kano. How are you? I'm good. You've uh, kindly taken your eyes away from the US Open to give us a bit of time this morning. What's happening in the golf? I haven't spoken a lot about that this morning. Yeah, well, it's um, it, there was a slight delay, so it's still going. It's going to go probably for another uh, couple of hours or so uh, with the, the afternoon groups. But uh, Russell Henley, who's sort of a 60, 70 ranked player in the world, not one of the high expectations uh, coming in, the American, he's... He's the leader at four under, and then there's a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of the big names that are just back a couple of shots. So um, Rory McIlroy started pretty well. He's just dropped a shot. He's one under. Uh, big Bryson DeChambeau. It's not quite happening for him. He's one over. John Rahm, who was the pre-tournament favourite, he's one under. Um, so and there's a, there's a couple of really good. Louis Oosthuizen is three under, so he's one shot off the lead through nine holes. So. He's always there or thereabouts in the majors or seems to be. And Richard Bland, who became the oldest player to win in Europe ever, I think in his mm. late 40s, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's uh, three under through 12. So talk about crazy stories with older sportsmen at the moment. That's one of them. So, uh, But not a lot of joy for the Aussies at the moment, I'm afraid. So uh, no real Australians contending um, just at the moment. But it is early days, so um, it's only in the first round. Good on you, Hutto. Titleist Tour Speed, fastest golf ball in its class. Get the new Titleist Tour Speed or go, get left behind. Let's talk about, um, just quickly, that caller, uh, Bo, um, who oh. asked me to provide the top five since 2000 Cats players. So I've gone Ablett, Scarlett, Selwood, Enright, and I couldn't split Hawkins and Bartell. Um, Stevie J, does he, is he stiff? Oh, I mean, he's stiff, but I tend to agree with you. It's like, who do you replace out of that? Uh. Um, and it's like, how do you compare, you know, Corey Enright and mm. uh, Jimmy Bartel? I mean, totally different players. And like, it, it, I mean, I, we, I know I'm, I'm making excuses, but you, you do these exercises. They're great fun. They're great arguments. But <laughs> fair thinking, how do, how do you split them? And then, and then it's good. It's great that you've got Tom Hawkins in there because really he's he's been such an incredibly consistent performer in, in the back half of his career. Now, whether... Whether he, if he stopped right now, whether he's mm. in that top five against all those other players, I don't know, but, gee, he's mm. got to be close, doesn't he? 
he's in the conversation. So let's talk about the footy tonight. Uh, you'll be keeping a close eye on it, clearly. I, I think I think they win tonight, Geelong. I'm not sure what, what the weather at the Cattery is going to be like, but the Western Bulldogs do love that fast style, flick it around, suits Marvel Stadium. Not sure it completely suits GMHBA. Cats win, are they the outright premiership favourite? For, no, I think Melbourne still deserve to be, still? and I think... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, but you know, it's such a great season. You mm. can really mount an argument for any of those top sides. And then Richmond, even though they lost the other day, is still a danger. Suddenly, you know, West, those couple of wins for West Coast means you can't write them off if they get all their players back. But uh, look, yeah, Geelong beat the Bulldogs. They'll have to be. They would be close to being at least close to being equal favourites. I agree with that. I, I don't think this is by any. I mean, they, they probably are favourites tonight, but. It's a 50-50 game to me. I'm really looking forward to both ends of the ground, Kane. Like, you know, we've, we've, we've got those questions on the Bulldogs defenders and you, you would think that Jeremy Cameron and, and Tom Hawkins would ask a bit. But as you said, with the weather being like it is, maybe that helps the Bulldogs a little bit in that regard. I feel like Gary Rowan is going to be so pivotal to what Geelong do from here. You know, now being, getting that third forward, he's getting up the ground and he's racing back. He's, you know, he's playing the best footy of his career. So... Um, you know, in the broader sense of things, he, he's going to be really important. And then at the other end of the ground, I don't know if you agree, Kane, but I reckon Geelong have looked vulnerable a couple of times against really big forwards. We saw mm. it last week with Charlie Dixon. We saw it with the, not so much the, the weight, but the height of Max King early against the Saints. And even though Henderson and Henry are both having really good years, I think when the, when the opposition forward line is stocked with, with taller players, um, now Josh Bruce is not a superstar, but he, he's certainly a big guy. And Aaron Norton might be a superstar. So mm. I, I reckon that'll be... And, and with Tim English resting there as well, we could see the cat stretch. So you know, both ends are interesting. And then, of course, you've got what happens in the middle of the ground. So oh, look, it's going to be a fantastic game. It's a shame we're not going to have a packed house down there. It, it will be. I, you know, Reece Stanley's an emergency, so who knows with Chris Scott what he does there. Also, Sean <laughs> Higgins is you know, supposed to be managed off an eight-day break, but he's been named as an emergency, so there could be some fun and games there. And um, Blixarves is the one that they do have the luxury to play back to alleviate some of that, but he was he was so good with the tactic of Radaglia starting on ball, doing the centre bounces, pushing forward, and then Blixarves doing the ruck. So that's one to keep uh, your eye on. Tonight, um, what did you make of the events at the Tribunal this week? Uh, we're a little bit um, sick of talking about it, but clearly it's a, a yeah. really important night for the AFL. H- how did you see it, and um, do you share some of the views that the AFL should have outlawed this incident or should in the future? I'm not sure about the future. I, I absolutely am sure that David McCash should have got off. I, mm. I, I understand all the arguments, you know, and I, I, to be honest, I, I, I'm, I'm sick of hearing talking about it as well, but yeah, it was fascinating. I covered a lot of tribunal in my early days, Kane. Whenever they brought the biomechanist in, it was like, oh, my God, how long is this going to go for? <laughs> um, and I'm not sure they added a lot to it last night. But I, I absolutely think that um, it was the right decision that they came to. But it, it, suddenly we're getting asked all these questions that we've never really asked before, have we, about, you know, if you are attacking the ball and uh, you've been through all these arguments... You know, what sort of care and responsibility do you have? But maybe things have changed with just the sheer number of concussions and what we know about things now. So I'm happy for us to have this discussion. I think, it, you know, it has been good from that point of view. But in the middle of the season, and given that, um, you know, uh, that was a different situation, but you know, that, that was allowed uh, basically to pass. Uh, he didn't have a case to answer. Then I don't see how you could have, uh, how David McKay could have been penalised.
Mm. Do you expect that players will be nervous doing a similar attack on the footy for the remainder of the season, or do you think that'll come I, at the I end don't of know. The, I mean, the year? you would have a better understanding of the player in that moment. I don't mm. think they'll change, and I don't think most. I mean, they'll. Have, you know, you'd be stupid not to have noticed it. But I just think this is a, this is a situation, an exact situation like that, that, that probably doesn't happen that often. But mm. the broad situation happens all the time, so the players can't can't be hesitating. I don't think they, they've got to take, they've got to be, you know, understanding of what the potential damage they could do to an opponent or even a teammate. But I think they do that anyway. So, I, I, look, as I said, happy to have the debate at the end of the year about what the responsibilities are. But I don't think David McKay did anything wrong under the current rules at all. There's uh, some candidates for the most disappointing team of the year. You've watched a lot of footy more than more than most. St Kilda clearly in that conversation. Carlton probably, and then there's you know the teams less to a lesser extent, but the likes of the Gold Coast Suns. So who's disappointed you on expectation the most this year? Uh, well, you've probably named the three candidates, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I think I think St Kilda, um, yeah, all the numbers as well as what we've seen. They're hard to beat. Um, Carlton clearly... So I think St Kilda is the most disappointing. But Carlton, you sort of scratch your head and you... I know a lot of people have still got faith in where they're going. And I've sort of... I've tried to have that faith, but I've got, I've got my real severe doubts now, I must say. And the Gold Coast, you just sort of go, oh, really? Are we... <laughs> you know? It's just so similar to what we've seen in the past. So you, you probably... Try and have faith in Stuart Jew, and you probably think that next year might be the year where they can actually make some advances. But he'd be so frustrated with the fact that they haven't haven't really done anything more than they've done previously. And then you've got they've got all the same issues with retaining players, having to play them, paying overs to keep them there. Um, and what do they do? How aggressive are they in the postseason? Do they do they target more players? Mm. They can't target more in Rory Atkins' age group. They've got to go target players in. You know, probably slightly younger than that, or slightly better than that. If they're going to bring, if they're going to bring players of experience in, and and we know they're going to then face salary cap issues. So, oh, it, it does really, it does really worry me as to what, where they where they're going as well. But hey, hey, Kane, when you've got 18 teams in the competition and it's so close, every yep. year we're going to have teams that that you know get off to a poor start, can't get things going, have a few injuries, and you think the world is, uh, you know. The, the world's fallen in on them. And, and, and the, the real skill is being able to understand whether it's a, a long-term problem or whether it just takes a little bit of a, you know, a fix, um, a reshape in, in one of the areas where you've got to improve your footy club. And that's the skill, isn't it? Really knowing where you are. Absolutely. And take strong leadership to be able to do that. Uh, Hardo, outstanding as always, mate. I look forward to the footy tonight. Hopefully it's a ripper. Yeah, hopefully it will be. And uh, hopefully the Cats by a point kick after the siren. Cats by a point. I think they might do it a little bit uh, more comfortably than that. AFL Nation's Anthony Hudson ahead of the huge one tonight. The best call team in the business, Jared Healy, Jared Waitley and Jordan Lewis in action tonight. Uh, we had a call of Bo from uh, Queensland, I think it was, who, who put me in an impossible situation to name the best five Cats players since 2000. Nick, can you help me? Yeah, well, uh, what's your top five, The only thing, um, if, if you've got Tom Hawkins in there, surely the argument for Paul Chapman ahead of Hawkins, uh, I would probably, I would think. Um, but, uh, yeah, my top five, um, Salwood, Bartel, Scarlett, and then Enright. Okay, yeah, no, well, you're not going to get any complaints from me. I 
saw similar. Uh, just like just Tom Hawkins' numbers are extraordinary. When when you look at what this man is doing, he's coming up to game three hundred. He's kicked 632 goals, which puts him, I think, about 23rd or 24th all-time. And this doesn't, this does not look like slowing down. Now, what a player he's been. But I, you know, Paul Chapman, all that, North Smith medals, Bartell Brownlow, I, I get it. It's not a, not an easy task, Cats fans. Happy to have that debate. I, I do like doing things like that. It's always, it's always fun. Um, as is doing this with our man from Bet Deluxe. <laughs> Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Should you have any problems? Uh, Paul, welcome, mate. What's the footy tearing us tonight? Very good morning to you, Kane. Yeah, big game tonight at uh, GMHBA Stadium. We're finally going to have a crowd for this one too. Geelong, the dollar fifty nine favourite with betdeluxe.com.au. Bulldogs, the outsiders here at $2.36. But the money has come for the Cats at the line. The minus 8.5 has been $1.91 into $1.89. And the Bulldogs at the plus 8.5 at $1.91. And the first goal scorer markets as well. Jeremy Cameron and Josh Bruce tied up the top of the market. Seven fifty for Jeremy Cameron, eight dollars for Josh Bruce, and then Aaron Norton and Tom Hawkins at eight fifty and nine dollars respectively. We've got a little special in this game as well, Kane. Do you reckon Jeremy Cameron can kick two or more goals into a catch win? Three bucks on offer for that one there. Max bet supply, but uh, a good special to get us underway for the football this weekend. He's on fire, coming off five last week on Thursday night footy. One of the hottest players in the comp. What about the racing at Flemington? Indeed, yeah, we've got the Crestwick Stakes there. The favourite is Curran. Uh, he's been $5.50 into $4.60. There's also been a little each-way nibble for a horse called Pioneer River in that race. It's been eight fifty into $8 with betdeluxe.com.au. So that's race seven, number one at Flemington, and race seven, number four at Flemington. And don't forget as well, if you run second or third at Flemington this weekend, Kane, money back up to 50 bucks. Offers like that only at betdeluxe.com.au, Kane. So another big weekend of AFL and racing action. Good on you, my man. We'll speak to you next week. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. You can download that new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. The number's 1-800-858-858. 23 minutes past 11 o'clock. Taking your calls right now. Let's go to Brock, who's on the road. He's a massive Saints man. Hey, Brock, question to you. Did you tune in for the question and answer with Brett Ratton last night? What was that? Sorry, tune into the what? St Kilda had a uh, members forum where they had Simon Lethley, oh. Brett Ratton, and the members were available to log on. No, Did you I, tune I got, for that? I got, I got the email, mate. I was at footy training, so I, I was okay. I didn't get to, uh, I didn't get to. But um, yeah, I just want to make note, mate. I what Caro said earlier in the week. Um, I don't want to be insensitive, but I 100% agree with her. If we want to be a ruthless finals football side, we can't have our leaders and our key players not willing to put their hand up to play the, arguably the biggest game in the context of our season. We're on the ropes and, you know, a one-point game, we need our better players out there. And I just think it was, you know, 
without being insensitive week, it's pissed from Seb Ross not to be there. It's a minority view, and you, your, your language at the end is is perhaps stronger than I would have used. But I, I agree with Caroline's thoughts on it. On Monday night's edition of Footy Classified, she had done a lot more background on it than what I had done. So I took her for a word, which is clearly proven to be correct, that some St Kilda officials um, were questioning whether that was the right thing to do. And for those that have piled on, and there's been many, I mean hundreds on social media and other media figures that have gone really hard on this issue and a lot of it I think is um, to get themselves some Twitter likes to be honest because they know that's a popular view. It was absolutely in the public interest is what I would say. If you've got two leaders of your footy club missing a game um, to be with young children and the club isn't happy about it, then that's what a good journalist does is provides that information to the footy world and the footy public. So to pile on to her for having that view was, you know, I thought it was out of line, uh, a lot of it, um, to be completely honest with it. And I know that's a minority view, or not even a minority view, I think a, a minority public view is what I would say. Because I think there's a lot of people that agree with her that just aren't brave enough to say it. And that's what separates her as one of the best in the business and probably still the best journalist in the game because she's prepared to be brave enough to say it when most others aren't. That was my view on it. I understand it's not a popular one, but um, that's not what I'm here for. Sam's in Ringwood. Uh, you want to speak about the Boomers squad heading to the Olympics, which has been trimmed to 19. Is that correct, Sam? Yeah, that's right. I just want to talk about, yeah, the Boomers squad. It's looking pretty good, I think. Like, I reckon definitely a threat for the... Um take out the goal, like with Aaron Baines and then you see like Mitch Creek, Dally, Simmons, like Matisse Thibault from the Sixers, who's a defensive like beast. Um, then like young boys, like, um, you know, we got uh, Duke Reese coming in and then we get uh, Dante Exum in, Josh Green. We've got some good talent in there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what's an what's a acceptable result, do you reckon? Can they win a medal? I definitely reckon top three. Like, there is 100% um, a few countries this year that will will bring their A game. Like, I think yeah. Canada are a bit of a dark horse as well, along with USA and then Spain, Serbia. They're always up there. But um, I definitely think this is... If this isn't our best Olympic shot, well, I don't know what it is because, you know, Aaron Baines is coming to the end. Paddy Mills is coming to the end. Uh, mm. Chris Golding, few of our older boys, Joe Ingles. So I reckon it's our best shot. Good on you, Sammy. Uh, let's hope. Can't wait for the Olympics. You'll hear that exclusively right here on SEN. Uh, Tom's on the line. He wants to speak about Hutto's point on the Gold Coast. Tom, what was your thoughts? Uh, hi, Kane. Yeah, uh, just before I touch on that, um, I might just sort of uh, jump into the Geelong um, great debate. Uh, a lot of uh, Geelong fans uh, sort of forget uh, a player that did just get into that post-2000 stage and he he probably stands right in being one of the best players we've ever had, but he's definitely the most important player we've had at least for the last 20 years. He only went by one name, and that name was Whiskers. Um, and it was because of that name that Geelong um, is arguably still around today. Um, no, well, yes, yeah, complete super, and superstar player, let's, let's be honest. I mean, you speak about tough and brave and skillful like he had it all so uh, probably doesn't qualify in the discussion we were having because most of his footy was played pre-2000 and you know, didn't get unfortunately the premiership success that the others did but you know he's a worthwhile mention yeah, your thoughts uh, on Gold Coast yeah yeah so on Gold Coast look 
As a Geelong fan, I've always had a bit of a vested interest with watching Junior um, up there trying to lead the charge uh, for the last, for you know a good decade, and it I think it pains a lot of. I think we all want to see Gold Coast has some success because we want the AFL to be right in their investment, and I just think you know um, Hutto sort of made the point that you know where are they going again? It, it, it just looks like you know, the same old Gold Coast, you know, are we going for another rebuild? And, you know, uh, is it time to, you know, really invest and sort of say, look, you know, throw some, you know, big money, like maybe some, maybe try to get a, a Clarkson to go up there, get um, Buckley up there, get um, Brad Scott up there, get a couple of ex-Queenslanders mm. who can bring some um, soul and some passion to... Uh, the club and try to give it um, give it some give it some fabric. Because yeah, we'll stick it, stick around, Tom. We'll speak to uh, Tony Cock and the chairman. We'll ask him all those things on the other side of this. Um, I think they've been pretty supportive of uh, Stewie. You will quickly sneak in, Laura. Laura, can you, if you can make your point quickly, just a lot of people wanting to have their say. You want to speak about Caro's remarks? Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think it's just disappointing and I'm disappointed on the stance that you took just because what people go through after birth, you don't always know and you don't always see. Um, I understand. I, my husband, like, bleeds red, white and black. Um, mm. Massive St Kilda fan, like, if he, you know. Um, and he understood too. Like, I had a lot of complications after birth, but, you know, people don't go around telling everyone that. The mm. point is she needed someone there and mental health is a massive thing. And Carol also mentioned Patty Ryder. She doesn't need to keep mentioning this and she didn't need to mention that people were disappointed because there's already enough pressure after you have one baby, let alone two. And a lot of it's biological, like your body does stuff that you can't help. So how do we not know that after having two babies, you know? So I think it's disappointing that people are missing the fact of this woman needed help regardless. She wanted her husband. Why are we questioning that? Well, we, well because she's, she's reporting on the club questioning that. So I think it's absolutely in the public interest because she has spoken to people making these decisions at the St Kilda Footy Club and they've they've done nothing to hose those reports down as publicly, you know, they have supported their players, but they did admit there was debate over that. I think that is well and truly within the public interest. And, I, you know, I made the point on if it's a grand final, what happens? Would Who would know? But would the players have played if it was a grand final? And, and where do we draw the line about being able to have an opinion on this um, is is to my point. So that's probably all we need to say about it. It's been done to death. I think the reaction to it was was absolutely extreme. And I thought the way that Carol ha Carol handled herself was, was as well as she always does. And, and as I said, that's what separates her from the rest because she's willing to go to places others aren't. Time now for the 11.30 news. On the other side of this, the quiz, 1300 736 736 if you want to play. It's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Rapid fire, lots of clues because we've got to get to Tony Cochran. Can't keep the Gold Coast Suns chairman waiting. Aaron is on the line. The topic is the Hawthorne and Essendon line in the sand game. Aaron, welcome. What year did that line in the sand match occur? It was a great year this year. Yeah, I think it was uh, 2004. was 2004. Question number two, how many players faced charges at the tribunal that game? It may have been the same number that Wayne Carey wore in his back. No, it was 18. 18. How much did the Bombers end up winning that game by? It was between 70 and 80 points. 
Uh, we'll go with 75. Wasn't 75. Let's go to Mix on the line. He was close. Mick, how much did the Bombers end up winning the line in the sand game by? Uh, 74, okay. 74. Good man. Two questions away from the win. Two players caught four match bans for incidents in the brawl. Can you name one of them? Uh, I think Vandenberg was right in it, wasn't he? He was in it, but he didn't get four. Not sure how many weeks Richie got. Uh, Steve, two players caught four game bans. Uh, can you name one of them? Uh, Simon Beaumont. Wasn't Simon Beaumont. Uh, no, he wasn't one of them. So let's go to Andrew in Sunshine. Two players caught four game bans. Andrew, one of these players works a lot uh, on SEN track, if that gives you a clue. Uh, Campbell Brown. Campbell Brown would be one of them. Matthew Lloyd kicked seven goals on that day. Which Essendon forward kicked the next most? Uh, any clues, Kane? No. Okay. Um, um, left footer. Um, Scotty Lucas. Scotty Lucas would be correct. You didn't, you didn't need... You didn't need any clues, Andrew. Uh, we'll sort you out. Uh, Benny will sort you out uh, with a prize, put you back to them. All thanks to our good friends at Underworks. They pass every test. You can pick up a pair and test them for yourself. That was the quickest and shortest um, quiz that I think we have ever done. We're going to get to Gold Coast Chairman Tony Cochran shortly. If you've got a question you would like us to ask him, send us a temper text, 433 98 11 16. Strong feedback on that text line as well coming through as always. Um, but right now it's time for our crystal ball prediction for tonight's game. That is thanks to Thirsty Camel. <sighs> well, I saw Geelong play live last Thursday night and I couldn't have been any more impressed by what I did see. I think they're going to get better the year goes on. They've got five games, including this one, left for the rest of the year at GMHBA. They only travel three times. A couple of games at the MCG. Patrick Dangerfield is going to get better. Cam Guthrie's back into the side tonight. They've got depth everywhere. Higgins is not playing. Narkel's not playing or he's the sub. So the Cats, I think, win tonight and skyrocket themselves over Melbourne into premiership favouritism. That is my prediction tonight for Thirsty Camel. What's yours? 0423981116 is that number. Coming up next, we're going to speak to the outspoken chairman of the Gold Coast Suns, Tony Cochran. Uh, one of my favourite footy personalities is the Gold Coast Suns chairman. It is now Tony Cochran AM after Tony received the Queen's birthday honour for significant service to sports administration and to the entertainment production. Tony, congratulations and thanks for your time. Oh, thanks very much. Good morning, uh, men of uh, the Great South. How are we? <laughs> We're good. What, what did the honour mean to you, mate? And, and what was Monday's events like? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I'm, I was blown away. I had no idea it was coming, and uh, it was just, uh, wow, it was a huge pick-me-up, and uh, I'm enormously humbled by it, and, uh, you know, I, it re really reflects so many great people that I've worked with over so many years. You know, they've all got a part of that too because uh, you only get things achieved and done in life if you can build a bit of a team 
effort around you and um, certainly I've been very fortunate. I've had a lot of great people that I've had the pleasure of working with over many, many years. Too many years, in fact. I like <laughs> to think I'm only still 35, but the birth certificate says otherwise. Uh, well, it does. You, well, you've packed a fair bit in, uh, Tony. In terms of your achievements, what? Yeah, and you've been outspoken once again, and a lot of us here in South Australia and by extension Perth and other parts of Australia agree with your thoughts that if Melbourne can't, hold a crowd and, and be it a significant one of probably 75,000 the grand final should move elsewhere came with a bit of backlash of course so they're very protective Tony <laughs> very protective my god um I see I just I it's funny I don't see it as being outspoken I just see it as good old-fashioned common sense mm. which is not that common these days but um the, the truth of the matter is, you know, I feel bloody sorry for the Victorians. I mean, you, you know, their government over there have done an appalling job in case, you know, nobody's done the numbers. I've spent about 162 days in quarantine and the rest of Australia on average has spent 14. Mm. Um, so they might think they're gold medalists at it, but I, I'd suggest that they wouldn't even make the team. <laughs> um, and, and I think there's a real chance yet again, you know, I'm, I'm, I won't be at all shocked if the grand final has to be moved for the second year in a row and, and I was asked, you know, as I'm apt to be asked, so I'm apt to also tell the truth when I get asked these things, what should happen? I said, well, it's, it's got to be SA's turn and, and um, WA's turn to have a real fair dick and crack at landing the grand final, either at Adelaide Oval, which is an absolutely outstanding, stunning ground, or um, Optus Stadium, which is equally a, a superb venue. Tony, how have you viewed Gold Coast season so far? No, I, 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 I was really... Uh, I didn't think we'd make the eight this year, but I thought we'd be... You know, hammering around the edge, causing some upsets um, that created the eight. Um, so I guess I was personally looking for sort of, you know, getting to more like uh, nine or ten wins for the year. Um, so, you know, I've been really, you know, you can't uh, hide it, you can't gild it. It's, uh, the truth is that uh, myself and more importantly than me, our supporters and our members are, you know, very, very disappointed with the inconsistency. The inconsistency of the season is uh, what's got us. Um, we come out one week against Hawthorne and we look terrific, and then the next week against Frio we look like we're clueless. I mean, you, you just can't you just can't play AFL at that standard and, and put in performances like that. that. That was an insipid performance on the weekend, and, and I'm being kind. So... Um, we, we want a lot more, and now we've got a really hard task in front of us because uh, uh, we've got 10 games left, and I think if my memory serves me correctly, we played seven of the top sides in those 10 games. So um, we've got a pretty tough run home, but, um, you know, if we're going to start to stand up and, and be a side of the future, which is where we want to be, uh, we're going to have to uh, really put in some performances in the uh, remaining 10 games of the 2021 season. So it's strong language, Tony. We've seen Carlton um, announce they're doing an external review, which has raised a few eyebrows that it needs to be external. Are you, are you constantly reviewing on, on the back of your comments there, words like insipid? Are you reviewing everything that's happening within the footy department and the playing group right now? Yeah, look, I think we are. We're not... Um please also understand we're not uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. We we think we've got the right people in the right places and we've got, you know, everybody's got to remember we're not only a young club, but we've got an awful lot of young people um, in key roles. Um, you know, Charlie Ballard, who's just tipped over the 50-game mark, you know, has pretty much played centre-half back all this year um, as an example because, you know, we've still got Rory Thompson out injured. So, you know, we, we're tested 
um, given our age and our profile. But we've we've still got to find a way in amongst all of that to grow. And um, we, as a club, you know, and I guess any president would say this, but, you know, I, I tend to call a spade a shovel. But as a club, you know, I really think we've we've made some huge gains. I, I think we're we're understanding of, of the whole process a lot better now. You know, we're in our 11th year and um, we we are developing uh, better people and better systems. And, uh, you know, we've got a terrific um, uh, CEO in Mark Evans. And, and you know, Stewie uh, is in, what, three and a half years in. And, um, I, and I almost completely disc- discount his first year because, um, as soon as I say this, you'll remember it, but we had to travel every week because mm-hmm. the Commonwealth Games has been held at Metricon Stadium. So that was mission impossible that year for him. So, you know, I, I think he's sort of two and a half years in and, um, you know, I've got a lot of time for him. There's, he's got a lot of really wonderful qualities and, and I think one of the problems today is people don't give coaches enough time and they, you know, they're onto their case and they're, they're seeking miracle treatments and miracle works. You know, it's not that long ago everybody wanted to send Damien Hardwick packing from Richmond because he couldn't coach. Um, it's funny how those people aren't around much these days talking about he can't coach. So, you know, you, you've, you've, got to, you've got to sort of toughen it out. You know, no, nothing easy in life comes because you you know, sit on your backside. It comes because you do the work and and you make the effort and you get there. What's happening with um, his right-hand man, Josh Franco, Tony, and uh, the assistant coach there? Will he see out the season? And uh, what's your view on what's transpired? Can you shed some light? Um, it's actually pretty simple. Um, his family, um, particularly his wife, want to return to Adelaide. Um, and we respect that. Um, you know, hasn't... Uh, uh, they're missing family in Adelaide and, and the like. So um, he has um, told us that. And uh, the family have actually, these school holidays are moving back to Adelaide. Um, and Josh is going to stay on. He wants to finish out his year. We want him to finish out his year. He's a valuable member of our club. We're very, very disappointed to be losing him. Um, but at the same time, um, if um, people need to move for family reasons, you know, I, I learnt long ago, you're wasting your time to get out some four-inch nails and try and nail them to the floor and say, no, you've got to stay um, because that just doesn't work either. So, um, yeah, Josh will finish up at the end of the season. Um, he's been a great part of our club. We've really enjoyed Josh. Um, and um, we'll, um, we'll seek um, a replacement for Josh. Do you get frustrated? Oh, this is an obvious question, but already there's talk about Ben King um, being attracting offers from Saints and teaming up the King Twins. We've got a couple of Adelaide clubs here who'd love to get their hands on Lukosius and Rankin. And in the past, you've had trouble keeping your squad together. Have you been forced to overpay in the salary cap what you would like to to keep this group together? And how concerned are you about losing more young talent if the results continue to go this way? Well, that's a very wide question. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not as concerned as I was when I first arrived at the club because the systems in place at that time and the people, the jobs they were doing, um, we were right for picking. Um, I think the systems in place at our club now, the camaraderie that exists between the playing group um, and the um, feeling and emotion uh, they all have for each other and their coach, is at a very different ebb to the um, period that you're referring to in the past. Mm. Um, having said that, we have to do everything right, and there's nothing like winning to 
um, cement some of those concerns down. Um, I, I personally don't believe that any of those people you just mentioned have any intention of leaving the Gold Coast Suns. Um, uh, the other question you raised there is, <laughs> of course, under our rather somewhat eccentric VFL system that they call the AFL, um, the reality is that new young clubs are forever overpaying. Um, uh, GWS would have exactly the same problem. And God forbid if they ever put a franchise in Tasmania, um, I hate to think how much they'll have to pay to attract young people to that cold part of the world in the depths of winter. So um, it, 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 it is an issue. Um, we try and manage through it as best we can. But, you know, I reckon um, uh, versus a Melbourne club, I reckon my money is 10% less. So my currency... Um, is probably about 10% less in, in terms of the salary cap mm. than a Melbourne club. Uh, Tassie are pushing for a team. The NT are pushing for a team. Tony, you, the Suns are 10 years in, and it's come with significant challenges as we've gone through this morning. What, what would you say to those governing bodies that want a team in, and do you support that, the expansion? Oh, not at all. I'm well and truly on the public record, and... And before um, the Tasmanians start ringing in and, and sending me love letters, <laughs> my my issue here my issue here isn't with it being in Tasmania or being in the Northern Territory or being at Wagga Wagga or being at Broome or being at uh, West Tidalberg. My issue is the 19th franchise. We cannot, as a sport, as an industry, afford a 19th franchise under any circumstances. The money is not there. Uh, the the depth of playing group is not there. Uh, the challenges across um, the system is not there. And what I mean by that is you've, you've got the AFL are 10 years into the experiment. They've added two new sides, one Greater Western Sydney and one on the Gold Coast, both added in, in huge growth corridors of, of people. Um, so, you know, the, the, you know, I won't talk about GWS, but our market, for example, is in southeast Queensland. It's the third biggest advertising market in Australia. It means a whole lot to media companies. They're very focused on what's happening. That will not be the case in a, in a market like Tasmania, which is the 12th uh, market in Australia for um, uh, advertising and media. So we just can't afford, and we've got these two existing franchises, being GWS and the Gold Coast Suns, well established. We cannot afford to be spreading the money so thin that we're going to, instead of having uh, one or two that are struggling, we're going to end up with three that are struggling or four that are struggling. Um, that, that would just be, from a business point of view, that would be insanity. Um, from a pure fan base point of view, it would be nuts. Um, you know, uh, as I said, it's not something personal against Tasmania. We just cannot afford a 19th franchise. And, and at the end of the day, thank God, that decision has to go to the 18 existing presidents. And I'm here to tell you, I doubt there'd be a, anybody who would move the motion. At best, there might be somebody who moves the motion and, and seconds it. It will not get more than three votes out of 18. It will not get up. Well, congratulations on another honour and your contribution to sport, to entertainment, to AFL has been as significant as anyone. So um, congratulations and we really appreciate it. We could chat for hours, mate, but uh, thank you for your time this morning and good luck. Can't wish you a significant amount of luck against my Port Adelaide, but hope it's a good game at Metricon on Saturday. Be a nice one to turn around, Kainsey. Come on, yeah. be, be generous. <laughs> no, thank you to you, Tony. Absolutely love getting you on our programs and 
Sort of good luck to your Gold Coast Suns in the fact that I don't want you to win against my Port Adelaide, but I hope you put up a better effort against Port Adelaide tomorrow. That just about wraps things up for us today. Thank you to all the guests who came on the show, to Benny and to Johnny behind the scenes, and to all of you who give us, gave us a call and had your say. doesn't happen without you. Have a great weekend, and we'll do it all again from 9 next Friday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.